On Thursday night, after an interminable speech by boring young Chelsea Clinton introducing her boring old mother, Hillary Clinton, Hillary finally took to the stage. She wore all white, like an angel, like a saint, like an erased server. And she proceeded to talk and talk and talk. For 57 interminable minutes, the grating old crones spake nonsense into the gaping ears of a gullible media. She spoon-fed them lies about policy. She dropped phrases so hackneyed they ought to have been roasted over an open fire. Still, the media cheered. No matter that the Bernie bros made trouble throughout chanting against her, no matter that at certain points Hillary's face turned Bilbo Baggins yearning after Frodo's ring, the media, like Samwise Gamgee, would try to carry her over the finish line. But... She's simply too heavy for any mortal to bear. Her candidacy is an albatross, a millstone. The speech wasn't just boring. It was ear cancer. It was Ebola of the cochlea. She said nothing, and she said it badly. One thing is clear. Chelsea Clinton clearly got mom's gift of gab. Perhaps the only memorable moments were these. Hillary attempting to look lifelike, instead reciting her speech with the robotic, uncanny valley creepiness to which we've all become accustomed. Bernie Sanders nearly weeping when Hillary name-checked him. His face actually changed momentarily as he grinned the mirthless grin of pure, unadulterated rage. Hillary glaring at the audience that refused to accept her seizure of the Iron Throne. Bill glancing around, dazed and happy at the thought that perhaps, just maybe, Hillary would be out of the house for another four years. Hillary talking of glass ceilings, forgetting nobody thinks she got where she is legitimately. The media furiously pleasuring itself to the pleasant tones of Hillary's rocks-in-the-garbage disposal delivery. And Hillary cackling at her own wit, the soul-sucking giggle of the damned. <laughs> no, this won't help Hillary much. At least how could it? At least half her allies died of old age in the middle of the speech, prematurely aged by the sour lemon oratory. The ratings for the speech must be great. Before viewers died, they forgot to turn the channel. But no matter, there are three more months of this horror... Somewhere, Mitt Romney weeps. He didn't have the courage to jump into the race. Somewhere, Gary Johnson feels a momentary pang of hope, which he then quickly snuffs out with a blunt. Somewhere, the American people, the people who aren't convinced in their politics by Katy Perry or another rendition of the terrible fight song, think about the end. This is the political apocalypse. And we're only just getting started. Happy Monday, gang. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Tend to demonize people who don't care about your feelings. So, first of all, we want to thank our sponsor, Ring.com. So I have Ring.com. I have one of these Ring devices on, my, on, on the gate at my house, and it's fantastic. The way this thing works is that when somebody rings your doorbell, you can actually set it for motion sensor. If somebody even walks up to your doorbell, then suddenly the camera goes on, and you can check your cell phone. You can see who's approaching your house. And this is important because most of the burglaries that happen in the United States, there's a burglary like every 13 seconds, most of the burglaries happen in broad daylight with a burglar ringing a doorbell to see if you're home and then breaking into your house. Well, Ring Video Doorbell they don't know that you're not home because it rings directly to your phone and you can talk directly to them and you can tell who's there so they're on tape. Ring uses their advanced motion detection technology to protect your entire property. They have something called the Ring of Security Kit, which includes that Ring video doorbell for the front door and a Ring stick-up cam, which is a wireless weatherproof HD camera which keeps an eye on all the other parts of your property. Ring video doorbell and stick-up cam, they both install in minutes. I've installed them myself. I have this at my house. My wife loves it. I love it. It's great. I mean, my wife can tell while she's at work, she's resident at, at, a, at a local hospital. She can tell who's at home. She can tell if somebody is trying to break into the house. She can tell all that and call the cops. It's a really, really great device. Ring.com slash Ben to find it. And my listeners do get $50 off that Ring of Security kit. It's a great deal. It's so good that I'm actually getting a second one. I've actually bought devices from Ring.com. I get free stuff from them because they're an advertiser. I've gone out and bought additional stuff for myself because I think it's such a great product. It's Ring.com slash Ben. Make sure you have the slash Ben there so they know that we sent you. Ring.com slash Ben for $50 dollars off that's ring.com slash ben okay so one of the problems that we have here on the show is that we don't have friday programs we're gonna have to start doing that 
in the near future because too much has been happening on Thursday night. Last Thursday night, don't worry, we'll get to Donald Trump and the whole uh, and the whole Kaiser Khan thing, and we'll get to Hillary Clinton and the lies she told on the Sunday shows. We'll get to me being banned from DePaul University. Basically, it's just another day ending in why when all this crap goes on. But let's start off the day by rehashing what happened last Thursday night, because that leads into the whole story. So finally, the Democrats have their triumphant moment. They have their triumphant moment in the sun. Hillary, after decades of lusting after the presidency, like Gollum lusting after the ring, Hillary finally got her grubby hands uh, on it. All she had to do was was somehow survive for 7,000 years and suck the lifeblood of 324 virgins in order to get there. Chelsea Clinton was the one who introduced mommy. And let's just put it this way. Chelsea Clinton definitely did not get daddy's gift of gab. Hillary definitely has the, the dominant genetics here. I'm here as a proud American, a proud Democrat, a proud mother, and tonight in particular, a very, very proud daughter. And there's Bill like, oh, there's been porn going Mark on my mind. Thinking about that. Can't quite believe it, but our daughter Charlotte is nearly two years old. She loves Elmo. She loves blueberries. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> uh, and above all, she loves FaceTiming with Grandma. Yeah, FaceTime. can be about to walk on stage for a debate or a speech, and it just doesn't matter. <laughs> She'll drop everything for a few minutes of blowing kisses and reading chugga chugga choo choo with her granddaughter. Okay, so Hillary, she goes, Chelsea goes on like this for, for almost seven hours. Uh, and then finally, she introduces her mother. I thought it occurred to me as she was speaking that maybe this was actually a brilliant move by the Clinton campaign. They found the one woman who's more boring than Hillary Clinton to lead off so that Hillary looked good by contrast. And then Hillary steps up and Hillary gives her speech and it is just awful. I mean, awful, awful. It is so bad. So here was Hillary leading off and it was um, it was not good. First of all, she came in wearing Christian Bale's outfit from Equilibrium uh, and then she started talking and it was just, I mean, it, it made you want to put your head in the oven and turn it up to full heat. Thank you for that amazing welcome. Thank you all for the great convention that we've had. And Chelsea, thank you. Oh. I am so proud to be your mother, and so proud of the woman you've become. I love Bill's face right now. Thank you for bringing into Mark the into our family, and wow, Charlotte and Aiden into the world. And Bill, that conversation we started in the law library 45 years ago. That's hilarious. <laughs> uh, where are the interns? This is boring. It is still going strong. Okay, so the reason that people start chanting Hillary here, let me stop it there. The reason people start chanting Hillary is because the Bernie people are booing her. And this happened throughout the convention. The media didn't cover this at all. We'll get to the media coverage of this in just a second. The media thought this was the greatest speech that ever happened, mainly because like Phineas Gage, they took a poll through the frontal, front, prefrontal cortex. 
And there's the famous story about Phineas Gage, this guy who, who worked on a railroad, and he was just walking around one day, and there was an industrial accident, and he took a pole through the eye and through his brain, and it totally changed his personality. The media have done that with Hillary Clinton. They have forcibly inserted a, a pole through their eye and into their brain so they don't have to see what's actually going on. So this never happened. The people booing Hillary Clinton never happened. And you want to see how bad things were? Here was Hillary Clinton thanking Bernie Sanders. Watch Bernie Sanders' face because it is high freaking hilarious. And I want to thank Bernie Sanders. <laughs> oh, my happiness is behind my eyes. Bernie. inspired millions of Americans, <laughs> particularly the young people who threw their hearts and souls into our primary. You put economic and social justice issues front and center where they belong. And to all of your supporters here and around the country, <laughs> I want you to know I've heard you. Your cause is our cause. She's so robotic and awful at this. I have heard you. Your cause is our cause. And then there's Bernie, enthusiastically clapping. Our country needs your ideas, energy, and passion. That is the only way we can turn our progressive platform into real change for America. So awful. Okay, so she's awful and awful and awful. And Bernie Sanders is looking there like he wants to vault onto the stage using his cane and then beat her to death with it. I mean, the, if, if you can't see the visual, folks, he looks horrible. I mean, he, he looks angry. He looks like, you stole my primary, and now I'm going to come, and I'm going to kill you with this walker. I will take the tennis balls off the bottom, and I will beat you to death with it. That's what he looks like. And Hillary continues along these lines, and it's just, it's just terrible. So I don't want to belabor, belabor the point because it happened last Thursday. Suffice it to say... And it was so bad that Bill Clinton legitimately fell asleep in the middle of this crap show speech. I mean, it was an awful speech. Here's Bill Clinton falling asleep, legitimately falling asleep in the middle of the speech. And look at Tim Kaine, who's the vice president sitting next to the vice presidential candidate sitting next to Bill. He realizes the cameras are on Bill. And you'll see him attempt to swivel his body to block the camera angle so that people can't see Bill snoozing away at his wife. And Bill hasn't been interested in anything Hillary has to provide for at least 35 years. Will disrupt their efforts online to reach and radicalize young people in our country. It won't be easy or quick, but make no mistake, we will prevail. Now, Donald Trump, <laughs> Donald Trump says, and this is a quote. <laughs> and Bill is out. Bill's like, I don't care. He's like, I've been here before. I don't care. I'm going to get nailed either way. What do I care? Just sitting here watching this. Horrible woman. What has my life become? Okay, so the media ignore the fact that, number one, the Bernie brothers were making all sorts of trouble, and they ignore the fact that Bill is falling asleep, and they ignore the fact that Hillary is legitimately one of the worst speakers in the history of America. And the fact is that she was a better speaker 30 years ago. She's like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Somehow Arnold Schwarzenegger's accent got worse 
over the course of being in America for the last four decades. Hillary Clinton's speaking style actually got worse over the course of the last four decades. Now it's like her brain has been entirely taken over like cyborg. She's in a constant battle with her own mechanical brain, and now it's completely taken over her actual her actual biological side, and so she's incapable of speaking interestingly. So they, that doesn't matter to the media. They have the Phineas Gage problem. The poll is through their eye and out the back of their head. And so here is Chris Matthews. I have a say. Talking about Democrats, it's a beautiful job. It's unbelievable. I love it. Hillary Clinton, uh, thrilled right up the backside. Uh, go, Chris, now go. This is pretty emotional. I have to tell you, I think Donald Trump's the best thing that ever happened to the Democratic Party. Because he reminded them of what they believe in. Uh, the rights and the hopes of immigrants. Uh, the, the freedom of religion in this country. The love of the country itself. The basic gut patriotism, which has been on display this week, has been sort of receded from the Democrats. They don't show it enough. They don't raise it up. And I think Trump has brought this out in them. He's made it a values election. And the Democrats have embraced American values in a in a, an exuberant, almost exhibitionist manner that they've never done before. I mean, tell me they love guy- America. What do we do? I don't know what to do. I don't really love America. These people don't love America. But Trump doesn't like America either. So what do we do? let's pretend we love America. All of a sudden, they love America for the first time in my life. I can come here, first time I show, down the set. Talk about the flag. It's great. It's great. Suddenly feel this upsurge of patriotism. I don't know why. I don't know what it is. What's it doing here? Who knows? I'm hungry. Let's go away. So, see it, but it's, it's the entire media. They all lose their minds. So CBS fawns over Chelsea Clinton. Now, Ch- remember, Chelsea Clinton is so untalented a person. Her parents have gotten her everything. She was legitimately hired at like a million dollar salary by, I think it was ABC News, to be a reporter. And they paid her not to be on air because she's so terrible on air. Didn't stop CBS from fawning over her. At 36, Chelsea Clinton is one of the campaign's most valuable assets. <laughs> After all, she's been on the trail with her parents since she was two. Clinton has been a strong presence on the trail. But during tonight's speech, Chelsea will leave the policy behind and get personal. In 1998, with her parents mired in the Lewinsky scandal, Chelsea became a political force of her own, walking hand in hand and humanizing one of their toughest oh moments. Okay. Proud to be uh, my mother's daughter. Okay. Chelsea's Fair. challenge okay, okay, tonight. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. Okay, so her parents used her as a political tool and now she's special. The media continue to lose their mind over Hillary. Here's CNN praising the political genius of Hillary Clinton. Again, I didn't want to show you that much of Hillary Clinton's speech, mainly because it makes you want to stab out your own eyes, like find a ballpoint pen and just shove it right through your eye into your brain. That's what it makes you want to do because it's so bad. I had to watch this thing. I was on the East Coast because I was speaking at a Young America's Foundation event, and I was up really late, and I was thinking to myself, if this thing goes on another hour, I'm going to have to drown myself. I'm going to have to go into the bathroom, and I'm going to have to fill up the bathtub and open my veins like, like Frank Pantangeli in Godfather 2. Okay, here is, here is CNN losing its mind over Hillary. She answered the question of why, and she also was most passionate, to David's point again, on going after Donald Trump. Case by case, issue by issue, on his temperament, on his worldview, on the fact that she is a unifier, on this notion of American exceptionalism. I think here the Democrats got handed the baton after uh, the Republican convention and what we've seen for the past four days culminating in this speech is that they ran with it. It was just magnificent. If you look at this speech, you actually see the impact positively of every one of these sort of movements of these young people. You see the Black Lives Matter impact. You see the Sanders supporter impact. 
You see the Young Dreamers impact, the Fight for 15 impact, the Climate Solutions impact, the LGBT impact, even Occupy Wall Street, all the things that young she, people okay, are doing. Okay, wait, I can't deal with Van Jones, a communist up. on TV telling us all how Hillary is a unifier, which is very, very excessive. So the media, needless to say, they lose their minds for Hillary. This demonstrates one thing. Obviously, and we all knew this, the media are in the tank for Hillary. This has been true since the very beginning. And so I want to make a quick note to our Democratic friends, for all the Democrats out there who today, and we're going to get to Donald Trump and his foibles over the weekend because Donald Trump can't help himself. We'll get to that in a second. But just quick note to our Democratic friends. For all you folks out there, all you Democrats who are out there saying, chortling at these Republicans supporting Donald Trump, Donald Trump, Donald Trump was an aberration. Okay, Donald Trump was supposed to be an aberration. He was supposed to be a 100-year aberration. You guys planned this. You wanted it. You wanted Hillary Clinton on that wall. You needed Hillary Clinton on that wall. You begged for Hillary Clinton. And she is just as corrupt. She is just as nasty. She is just as vicious. She is just as unstable. Not, maybe not quite as unstable, but pretty unstable. Hillary Clinton is a crap show. Hillary Clinton is a disaster, and you wanted it, okay? There are Republicans like me who don't back Trump, who didn't like Trump, who wanted to stop Trump. The Democrats rigged their own system to stop Bernie Sanders so they could get that. So don't you guys start whining about your, your moral superiority. You have none. You wanted this, okay? Republicans may be reluctantly supporting Trump, people like Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell. You guys are sitting in line to give Hillary Clinton buttock massages. So you didn't get to sit around telling us about moral superiority. Okay, well, there's lots more to come here on the Ben Shapiro Show, but that brings us to the end of our Facebook Live. Uh, if you want to watch more, go to dailywire.com and subscribe. Dailywire.com is where you can see it. It's eight bucks a month, and you're going to want to check it out because it is great and I mean, honestly, if, if you can't afford $8 a month, I don't even know what you're doing sitting around watching this right now or listening to it. Go out and work. I mean, come on. So if it's $8 a month, <laughs> dailywire.com. And uh, you can check us out, of course, at iTunes or SoundCloud. We are the number one conservative podcast in the nation. So check it out. Uh, check it out and, uh, and tell all your friends. Well, that cowabunga brings us to Donald Trump. So Donald Trump over the weekend, instead of just letting Hillary kind of sit there and be... Donald Trump. Donald Trump. I don't know if he was dropped on his head as a baby or what the story is, but Donald Trump simply cannot help himself because Donald Trump, whenever he is poked, he feels the need to punch. And that may be admirable in certain circumstances, but the problem is when you're poked by a puppy, it's not a good idea to punch the puppy. So over the course of the DNC, Trump was poked by a puppy. Now, I don't mean to say that the, the Khan family are... are harmless in terms of Trump's campaign. They aren't. I don't mean to say that, that Trump doesn't have a right to be ticked. He does. What I am saying is that politically speaking, there are things that I like to call puppies, right? Political characters, political causes that you just don't touch because it's stupid. And you forget about immoral because it, it, what he does here is immoral, but, but it's also just dumb. It's also just dumb. You have to have been clocked on the head as a very young child by a moving truck in order to do these sorts of things. So to, to back up for a second, we talked about this a little bit last week. This family called the Khans, the mother and father, they get up on stage, a Muslim family, and they're talking about their son who was killed in Iraq in 2004. He's a captain in the army, and he was killed in Iraq in 2004. And here's what the, the one who's speaking, his name is Kaiser Khan. Here's what he had to say. Donald Trump, you're asking Americans to trust you with their future. Let me ask you, have you even read the United States Constitution? I will, I will gladly lend you my copy. Look for the words liberty 
and equal protection of law. Have you ever been to Arlington Cemetery? Go look at the graves of brave patriots who died defending United States of America. You will see all faiths, genders, and ethnicities. You have sacrificed nothing and no one. Okay, so he, Donald so he does this routine, right? And as I said last week, there are a couple of things to know. One is you can't rip on gold star families, right? You never rip on gold star families because if you do, it's dumb. Number two, this kind of chicken hawk argument that if you haven't lost somebody in the military, you don't get to speak about policy, it's actually an un-American argument because we have civilian control of the military here. If you want military members, by the way, to vote on policy, the plurality of military members by every available poll support Trump. And the fact is that if you wanted the military just voting, Republicans would be the only people elected. So this doesn't really wash. It doesn't really wash the idea, okay, we had a son who died in the military, and therefore our prescribed policy is the better policy. That's, that's a silly argument. That doesn't mean that he can't make it. It doesn't mean it's not an effective emotional appeal. But I want to point something out. So let's start for a second with how you should respond to stuff like this. So if you remember all the way back to 2005, you go back in the Wayback Machine, Cindy Sheehan was going after George W. Bush. And Cindy Sheehan was... Yeah, making a fuss because her son had died in Iraq and she was saying the Iraq war was bad and terrible and she was camping out in Crawford, Texas. And George W. Bush responded. And here's how George W. Bush responded. This clip 36. You're referring to Mrs. Sheehan here, I think. I'm referring to any grieving mother or father, no matter what their political views may be. You know, part of my duty as the president is to meet with those who've uh, lost a loved one. And so, I, you know, listen, I sympathize with Mrs. Sheehan. She feels strongly about her uh, about her position and, and I she has every right in the world to say what she believes this is America she has a right to her position uh, and I've thought long and hard about her position I've heard her position from others which is get out of Iraq now and um, uh, it, it would be a it would be a mistake for the security of this country and the ability to lay the foundations for peace in the long run if we were to do so but no, Steve, I've met with a lot of families, and uh, I have done my best to uh, bring comfort to the families and honor to the loved one, uh, and um, get different opinions when you meet with moms and dads and sons and daughters uh, and, uh, and, and wives and husbands of those who've fallen. One opinion I've come away with universally is that, you know, we, we should do everything we can to honor the fallen. Okay, I mean, this is, okay, so we can stop it there. This is, so that's George W. Bush circa 2005. It sort of makes you miss the time when there was a little bit of class in politics. I mean, forget about the fact that he wasn't the world's greatest president. He was a good man, and you can see it coming off of him in waves that he's a good man. I mean, this is his response to Cindy Sheehan, who was really going after him and, and basically calling him a war criminal and a warmonger and, and accusing him of killing her son. The media, by the way, the, the fact that Bush was classy did not stop the media from being classless. They ran 100 stories in network news time about Cindy Sheehan and George W. Bush, even though Bush was responding in this classy fashion. But this is how you should respond, right? The way you respond to a gold star family that disagrees with you on policy, no matter how hard they hit you, is you say, I have nothing but respect and admiration for gold star families whose loved ones made the ultimate sacrifice. That doesn't change my stance on policy, and here's why I think my policy is justified, right? That's how you do this. Here's how Trump does it. Because he's Trump. All uh, right. A nice
guy to me. His wife, uh, if you look at his wife, she was standing there. She had nothing to say. She probably, maybe she wasn't allowed to have anything to say. You tell me, but plenty of people have written that. Okay, plenty of people have written that. So now he's implying that the wife who's standing there, what I love about this is that he doesn't attack the father who's saying this stuff. He goes to the lady who's just standing there in the background, right? He said, Trump is so undirected that he just flails his fists in every possible direction. Hey, look, there's the wife. She's just standing there. I'll punch her, right? So he says, she's just standing there because maybe Islam, the, the implication is Islam is sexist. Radical Islam is sexist, by the way, but that's not the implication here. I mean, I'm not getting that from these, these parents, per se. I don't have any evidence of that, so I'm not going to make that accusation. He's sitting there, and he goes, oh, plenty of people have written. Maybe she was just standing there because she's not allowed to talk, you know, because she's a Muslim. Great. Great. It's a genius move there, Donald. Genius move. I mean, politically, morally, just a wonderful, wonderful move. You ignorant, stupid, you, Jane, you ignorant slut. I mean, it's just, it, it's so, it's just so stupid all the way across the board. And then the stupidity doesn't stop there. So the Khan family said Trump hasn't sacrificed any, anything. So what the proper response is, is, look, the Khans are right. I haven't made a sacrifice like they've made. I haven't make a, made a sacrifice like their son made. And I'm, I'm eternally grateful for the sacrifice of anybody in uniform who dies to, who dies to defend the country. Right, end of story. Here is Trump's mildly, mildly disassociative response. He said you have sacrificed nothing and no one. Well, that sounds, uh, who wrote that? Did uh, Hillary's uh, script writers write it? How would you answer that, Father? What sacrifice have you made for your country? I think I've made a lot of sacrifices. Uh, I work very, very hard. I've created. Thousands and thousands of jobs, tens of thousands of jobs. Uh, I think those are sacrifices. Oh, sure. I think they're sacrifices. He's so stupid. I'm sorry. Forget about whether you like him. You want to vote for him, vote for him, vote for him, whatever. I don't care. That's dumb. Okay, it's stupid. These are very easy answers. This is on par with Sarah Palin being asked what newspapers she reads, and she comes back with nothing. So... The, the cons naturally decide to go on the attack now, and the media are featuring them. The media love it. Now, the media would have gone after Trump on this stuff anyway, but Trump makes it easy for them, right? And this is the part that I hate. You have to expect the media to be the media. We can sit here bitching and moaning about the media all day. We do it a lot, right? I mean, we just did it about their, their coverage of Hillary. But in the end, if you're the candidate, you have to deal with the reality on the ground. The reality on the ground is that the media are a bunch of leftists, and they are out to get you, and that's why you have to be smarter than this. But Trump isn't. He's not more moral than this. He's not smarter than this. And so this is how you end up. Up with Kaiser Khan back on TV saying that Donald Trump has a black soul. This person is total incapable of empathy. I want his family to counsel him, teach him some empathy. He will be a better person if he could become, but he is a black soul. And this is totally unfit for the leadership of this beautiful country. The love and affection that we have received affirms that our beliefs, our experience in this country had been correct and positive. The world is receiving us like we have never seen. They have seen the blackness of his character. Okay, this is, it's, it's effective stuff against Trump, and Trump is, is foolish, and so Trump walks right into it because Trump can't help himself. He feels the need always to punch back, even if he's punching a puppy, and that has some pretty obvious political 
ramifications. And he's got his surrogates doing it, too. Now he's got people trying to trot out kind of research on the Khan family, suggest that there's a piece uh, that's making the rounds in some of the right-wing blogosphere, suggesting that, that the Khan family are really extremists. There's even a piece suggesting that the, the captain who died in service to America is somehow compromised, that he might be a jihadi. This is from Wally Chubat's site. And I got to say, I mean, this is, this is gross stuff. You don't have evidence to prove any of this stuff. And the evidence that you're trotting out right now is pretty attenuated. And even if it weren't, even if it weren't, I mean, unless you can prove a dead American soldier is a traitor, which is a pretty heavy and ridiculous allegation, shut your face. I mean, just shut up. And the fact, well, whatever he and his wife think, whatever the, the cons think, politically speaking, it is not an effective or useful tactic to attack them for their background. What is the point of that? Their son died in Iraq in defense of the United States. And unless I can see any evidence to the contrary, it makes you immoral to go out there trotting out these stories. I don't understand what the purpose of this is. I understand that there are a bunch of steps. There, I wrote a piece this morning called Seven Steps to Defending Donald Trump. And this is why, folks, this is one of the reasons why I'm not a Trump defender. Okay, because I'm not going to spin or lie to you. I'm not going to pretend that Donald Trump is being a genius when he's not. But there's always these steps from the Trump team, right? So first it's Trump is right. He's fighting back. Everything he says is true. Okay, even when it isn't. And then it's you're misconstruing Trump's words. He never said it that way. He never meant it that way. How do you know what he meant was that Ghazala Khan was incapable of speaking because she was Muslim? Maybe he just meant that she had a laryngitis. And they always do the misinterpretation thing. Then they say that the victim deserved it anyway, so that's where we are now. Right? The Khan family had it coming because the father wrote a paper one time when he was back in, in school about Sharia law, and he, threw a na- and he threw a shout out to a guy who's associated with the Muslim Brotherhood. And then, and then you get to the it's six-dimensional chess routine. Right? Now, now we're going to get the Trump is a genius routine. Trump is just a, he's a wonderful genius. His brain is strong like bull. Right? He's a six-dimensional chess genius. And now he's, look how he shifted the coverage of the media from Hillary's big DNC to his fight with the Gold Star family. I'm sorry, that's not six-dimensional chess. That's you being stupid enough to clock yourself in the face of the frying pan. And then you get to he was betrayed, right? That's the next step. He was dragged into this. You've got Scotty Neil Hughes basically saying that over the weekend that he was dragged into this. He, he didn't really mean to step into it. Then you get the media's biased against Trump. True. The media's biased against Trump. Yes, that's true. And that doesn't change the fact that Trump said stupid things. And finally, you're going to get the, the stuff directed at people like me. If you say anything bad about Trump, then you're helping Hillary, cuck. Right. If you, if you say anything terrible about Trump, then if you say anything that's that's true about Trump, then you're you're undermining Trump and you're helping Hillary. OK, it's not my job to lie for Trump. It's Trump's job not to be an idiot. Okay, it's my job to convey to you my opinions and, and, and the truth. And I'm not going to lie for Donald Trump. And by the way, I'm not lying for Hillary. I spent the first 20 minutes of this program bashing Hillary Clinton for being a terrible lying herod. And I'm about to spend 10 minutes more doing it. OK, so 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 I, I have to say that Trump makes it very difficult for people to defend him when he does very stupid things. Now, all this said, the left is chortling over all of this. Harry Reid came out today. He says, why doesn't Mitch McConnell just rescind his endorsement? And you've got the Washington Post today with a piece saying, why don't these Republicans just rescind their endorsements? Now, look, I haven't endorsed Trump. I don't plan to vote for Trump. The reason I'm not planning to vote for Trump is specifically because of all the things I just said. The, the, the attempt to turn the conservative movement into a Donald Trump puppet group where he's, he's in the background with his ham fingers trying to dictate what we can and cannot say and telling us to lie for him. I'm not going to be a part of that. I just won't do it. right? But, but all these Democrats who are celebrating, oh, why doesn't Paul Ryan disassociate? Why doesn't Mitch McConnell disassociate? Again, you guys made Hillary happen. You did, okay? I didn't make Trump happen, and I'm not standing by him now. You guys made Hillary happen, and you're sitting there on your high horse, pretending that you have some sort of moral superiority. Let me tell you about the moral superiority of Hillary Clinton. So Hillary Clinton, over the weekend, she's on Fox News Sunday, and she's asked about her emails. Here's Hillary Clinton's answer about her email scandal. 
This would be clip. This would be clip 21. FBI Director James Comey said none of those things that you told the American public were true. Chris, that's not what I heard Director Comey say, and I thank you for giving me the opportunity to, uh, in my view, clarify. Director Comey said that my answers were truthful and what I've said is consistent with what I have told the American people. That there were decisions discussed and made to classify retroactively certain of the emails. I was communicating with over 300 people in my emailing. They certainly did not believe and had no reason to believe that what they were sending was classified. Now, in retrospect, different agencies come in and say, well, it should have been. But that's not what was happening in real time. Okay, so the Washington Post looks at this and they give this four Pinocchios because this is a lie, okay? Comey didn't say that this was truthful. He said the opposite. He said that it's not true that her team lied over and over. Glenn Kessler, who's an ally of Hillary Clinton's, he said this is unjustifiable. He said this is ridiculous. He says Clinton is cherry-picking statements by Comey to preserve her narrative about the unusual setup of a private email server. This allows her to skate past the more disturbing findings of the FBI investigation. And then he goes into a long, drawn-out analysis. He says, as we have seen repeatedly in Clinton's explanations of the email controversy, she relies on excessively technical and legalistic answers to explain her actions. While Comey didn't, did say there was no evidence she lied to the FBI, that is not the same as saying she told the truth to the American public, which was the point of Wallace's question. Comey has repeatedly not taken a stand on her public statements, right? So in other words, she's a liar. She's a, she's a brutal liar, and Democrats have been defending her and saying, well, look at our person. Our person's so much better than yours. Eh, 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 eh. Nope, nope, she is definitely not. And then, if you thought that, rip, that one candidate ripping gold star families was enough, no, come on, it was a weekend in America. The other candidate also has to rip gold star families. So Hillary Clinton is asked about the Benghazi families. Remember, she lied to their faces, their bodies on the tarmac, and she comes to them and she says, we're going to get the guy who did the YouTube video that led to this attack that's testified to by two different members of, of Gold Star families. Here's Hillary Clinton lying about them. My heart goes out to both of them. I, I, losing a child under any circumstances, especially in this case, two State Department employees, extraordinary men, both of them, Two CIA contractors gave their lives protecting um, our country, our values. I understand the grief and the incredible sense of loss that can motivate that. As other members of families who lost loved ones have said, that's not what they heard. I don't hold any ill feeling for someone who in that moment may not fully recall everything that was or wasn't said. Okay, this is, this is absurd. This is absurd. So she's calling them liars. By the way, how much media coverage was there of Hillary calling a gold star family members liars? None. None. So Trump rips a Muslim family or gold star family members. End of the world, right? All hell breaks loose. Media coverage out the wazoo. Hillary does the same thing. And by the way, she's been telling this same lie about gold star families now since 2000, 2012, right? So it's now been four years of these lies. And the media still refused to call her out on it. So you Democrats, you don't get to claim moral superiority here. This is the lady you wanted. OK, I didn't want Trump. I still don't want Trump. You want her to be president. You actively want her to be president. You stumped for her for 25 years, covered every scandal covered up for every scandal she ever had, lied about the scandals. You're lying about her scandals now, and I'm the bad guy? Republicans are the bad guys? The ones who are condemning Trump, even the ones who are voting for Trump, are condemning Trump today. And we're the bad guys? 
Oh, go screw yourselves, gang. I mean, it's, it's just ridiculous. By the way, Hillary is just as much of a tyrant as Trump is, and much more in many ways. Here is Hillary. She just does it with, with instead of go, coming with, with the open, bloviating Mussolini style, Hillary slips in the shiv. Here's Hillary Clinton explaining that every right you have is subject to reasonable regulations. The Second Amendment includes an individual right to bear arms. Yes, but... That right, like every other of our rights, our First Amendment rights, every right that we have is open to and even subject to reasonable regulations. Okay, so she, every, every single one is subject to reason. Of course, she doesn't define reasonable regulations. For her, that means every regulation is reasonable. And, and Wallace follows up. He asks her, what's a reasonable regulation? She can't define it. Hillary's awful. Hillary is awful all the way through. But don't worry, the media are going to cover for her. Watch this. Joy Reid over on, on MSNBC attacks a guest. The, the guest says that there are 33,000 missing Hillary emails. Watch Joy Reid go insane. That's wait, wait, what concerns me. It's about our national invent, security. No, you can't just invent things. You can't just invent things. I'm not things. inventing you just anything. Invented I, I mean, an this entire is... thing. The FBI has already come out with a report on Hillary Clinton's emails. What you just said was an invented thing. There's no 33,000 emails that are going to harm our national security. You, you know that there was an entire okay, year I, and a half. We're not going to relitigate that. No, Amy, we're not going to relitigate that. But you can't talk. make things up. Not if you're going to invent <laughs> things. Okay, you can say your I'm comments. I'm not going to invent things, but the FBI also said. You can't invent things. She's not inventing anything, but the media is inventing something, right? What Comey actually said is 30,000 emails were deleted. We have no way of recovering any of them, so or at least a huge percentage of them. So we don't know what was in them. We have no reason to suspect it was something classified, but we have no clue. Okay, which means that we have no clue, right? So what she's saying is right, but the media are going to cover for Hillary no matter what. And so you say, okay, well, if Hillary's so terrible, why don't you vote for Trump? And then you get back to Trump. So here's Donald Trump on Ukraine. I have my own ideas. He's not going into Ukraine, okay, just so you understand. He's not going to go into Ukraine. All right, you can mark it down, you can put it down, you can take it anywhere well, he's you want. There. He's already there, and Trump doesn't know that. Of course, Vladimir Putin's already in Ukraine. He invaded and annexed Crimea. Uh, and that wasn't, and then I love this. I love this. A Trump surrogate goes on CNN and says, don't worry, Russia didn't actually seize Crimea. So now we're rewriting now the world's events. It's pretty great. larger issue at hand. Again, first of all, Ukraine, Russia did not seize Crimea. We could talk about the, the conflict that happened between Ukraine and the Crimea. It's ongoing conflict, really, but there was no seizure by Russia. That's an incorrect, um, incorrect statement, characterization of what happened. That is not an incorrect statement. They sent in military troops to Crimea <laughs> and seized it, and then there was a referendum in which people voted to join Russia. And that wasn't the extent of Donald Trump over the weekend. He also yelled at a fire marshal for no apparent reason. So a fire marshal apparently saved Donald Trump from some sort of elevator. Uh, he was, he, uh, Donald Trump got stuck in an elevator, and so Donald Trump decided that he was very angry at the fire marshal nonetheless. So I, I have to tell you this. This is why our country doesn't work. You understand. So, we have thousands of people in a room next door. We have plenty of space here. We have thousands of people outside trying to get in. And we have a fire marshal that said, oh, we can't allow more people. And it really is so unfair to the people. I'm, I'm so sorry, and I have to apologize. But it's not my fault. I just came here. But we have thousands of beautiful, wonderful, great people outside. And we have in the room next door over a thousand people. They won't let them in. 
And the reason they won't let them in is because they don't know what the hell they're doing. That's why. Okay. Okay. The fire marshal doesn't know what the hell he's doing. He just saved Trump from an elevator. He just saved him from being stuck in an elevator. And there's Trump ripping the fire marshal. I mean, it's just what a horrible, horrible election. Okay, time for a thing I like, and then a and then a heaping helping of things I hate. So things I like because I'm in an apocalyptic mood this week. We're going to do post-apocalyptic literature. So over the weekend, I read a very depressing but good book called Earth Abides. Uh, this is a sci-fi book. This is basically there's been some sort of giant biological catastrophe, and pretty much all of life on Earth is wiped out. But there's a small community that survives. George R. Stewart, considered one of sort of the great sci-fi novels uh, of all time. This one was written, I believe, in 1949, um, but it didn't date it. It, it reads really, really well, uh, and it is in fact a good book. Earth abides. It's a little depressing, but guess what? Most post-apocalyptic books tend to be. So, all right, time for some things that, that I hate. So. I have now been banned from DePaul University. I was informed of this by the students last week. They wanted to have me speak there. Uh, I had reached out to them after Milo Yiannopoulos spoke there, and there was all sorts of hubbub. I had reached out to the students at DePaul University, sort of back channel, and I'd said to them, look, I don't really want to be involved in this publicly, but I'm happy to get you guys a lawyer. If you need a lawyer because you want to sue the university for for misusing your security fees and all this, I can hook you up with the Alliance Defending Freedom. They do a really good job on this sort of stuff. So I hooked them up. They came back to me a few weeks back. They said, we'd like to have you come and speak. And I said, sure, that sounds great. So they, they applied to the university to have me speak. The university came back by saying that they could not have me speak. I was just too terrible. Little old me. I was just too awful. Here's what they wrote, right? What they actually wrote back is they said, given the experiences and security concerns that some other schools have had with Ben Shapiro speaking on their campuses, DePaul cannot agree to allow him to speak on our campus at this time. They said that Dinesh D'Souza and Christina Hoff Summers could come. So in other words, the way that this works now is if I go and I speak somewhere and leftists riot and the administration can't control them, I can't speak anywhere anymore. This is called fascism, gang. When you have people who are basically ginned up to come to my speeches and then shut it down so that other universities will say, oh, well, I guess we can't have them speak there. Imagine this in reverse. Imagine that conservatives got so angry, so angry at President Obama speaking that they showed up at a university and basically shut down the campus. You think that other universities would withdraw their invitations for President Obama or Eric Holder or Michelle Obama or you know, columnists of the left? You think they would really do that? Of course not. Of course not. This is just an excuse not to have me, particularly because they don't want me there because I stir up trouble. And by stirring up trouble, I mean I go there and I say things that a lot of their lefty students don't like. So don't worry, we're fighting it. And by the way, if you would like to be part of that fight, I, you know, I, I don't do this a lot on the program, but I'm happy to do it. Uh, the, the university, DePaul University, uh, the, the dean of students' email address, if you wish to email them. Uh, and we get lots of emails every day, so I'm sure that there are going to be a lot of people uh, who do this. Sorry, I'm just looking up their email address really quickly. Uh, so the email address is... Do, 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 sorry. It is. And email politely. Okay, don't be rude. Don't curse. Be polite. Dean of students at DePaul.edu. D-E-P-A-U-L.edu. So dean of students at DePaul.edu. And you can let them know about your displeasure and your feeling that this is a violation of, if not the First Amendment, because it's a private university, at least First Amendment principles. Okay. Other things that I hate. So everybody over the weekend is making this big deal out of this skydiver who jumped 25,000 feet into a net. He didn't have a parachute. Here's what it looked like. Jumpers are away. Jumpers are away. They're off. Okay, and we're watching people fall toward the ground from a large distance. Now he's practicing the flip. That's how he'll have to land. He'll have to land on his back. Right, because otherwise he'll break his neck. So they're really enjoying their ride. 
and it keeps going. 18,000 feet, the oxygen mask will come off. That will be from his cousin, Andy Farrington. We'll be closest to him. So there's only one guy here who doesn't have a parachute, by the way. It's the dude in the center. He doesn't have a parachute. He's moving 150 miles an hour toward the ground, and he's just falling, and we're all watching a guy fall through the sky. And it's really amusing and all the rest of it. Okay, so he's closer, he's closer. There Guys, goes the really oxygen mask. Now this. at 12,000 feet, so. you'll hear a beep in his helmet. Okay, so there he goes. Yeah, because he's going to keep falling for the next, like, five minutes, and I can't keep narrating a guy falling through the sky. Okay, fine. So he's getting close to the ground now. <laughs> now he's at, at 5,000 feet. Okay, we can stop it, like, right before he hits the net. All right, so he... Okay, now we can play it. Zone. He's in the red zone, gang. There's no pullout now. And he can see that he's approaching the ground, and there in green, you can see a giant net as he and approaches. The on the ground looking up. They have a visual on him right now. Everybody can see this guy falling. And there he goes toward this giant net that is suspended probably 100 feet off the ground. And he falls into the net. He's yay, in! Yay, yay, fell into that. Okay, so everybody made a huge deal out of this idiot jumping out of a plane into a net. Let me just say this. The real reason everybody was watching this is because they wanted him to miss. Okay, that's the real reason. Just the darkness of human nature was that people were watching this because they wanted to be there if, if he missed. Because it's not great water cooler conversation. It's a five-second water cooler conversation. This is just a, a note about human nature, okay? The human nature suggests that when you watch a guy jump out of a plane from 25,000 feet into a net, there's a part of you deep down inside that wants to watch the guy miss the net, right? Because otherwise, why would you watch a guy jump out of a plane into a net? You wouldn't watch him when he has a parachute, would you? Because you knew he'd be safe. But there's an element of risk here. And so I'm going to rip on two things. One, human nature, okay, that says that you want to watch a guy jump out of a plane and onto the ground, which is horrifying. And two, I want to point out that this is really dumb. Like, why would you possibly do something like this? Why is this cool? Why is this interesting? Why would you do something deliberately dangerous and stupid? Like, don't you have a life? Don't you have things that you have going on in your life? I, I have the same problem with the, with the Walendas. You know, they're, they're crossing, like, people are watching them cross you know, a line across the Grand Canyon. I'm thinking to myself, the only reason you're really watching this is because you want to see the guy fall off, right? Because if you knew that he was going to make it to the other side, you don't even watch the TiVo. But I guarantee you that if you, if you know that he fell off, everybody watches that TiVo. So and people don't risk your life in stupid ways. It's really dumb. Life is too valuable for that. Okay, uh, final thing that I dislike. So there are a lot of people making a big deal out of this video of Malia Obama. She was at Lollapalooza, and she was twerking her rear. Um, and this is a this is a little bit of the video. Somebody caught it from Lollapalooza, Malia Obama. Okay, so she kind of so she's twerking and she's like flipping up her her butt. Okay, so she's 17 years old. So number one, I'm not a big fan of this stuff in in, in the first place. Like I don't know why you would send a 17 year old to a, a place by herself if you're a responsible parent, but. They sent her. Is it a big deal? No, it's not a particularly big deal. Everyone is everyone is basically saying the same thing. This is not a big deal. Don't make a big deal out of it. By contrast, the rest of the media is making an enormous deal, an enormous deal out of Miss Teen USA. So Miss Teen USA, uh, she was uh, just crowned Miss Teen USA, and there's a big controversy that is now broken out because back in 2013, she had a bunch of tweets in which she used the N-word. Now, she didn't use the N-word to direct it at black people. Right? She used the N-word in the same way that rappers use the N-word. Right? It's supposed to be like a cool insider-y thing. So I've objected to this for a long time. I, th I think it's stupid when black people do it. I think it's stupid when white people do it. It's a word with a very nasty meaning. And the kind of attempt to mainstream it into culture has the predictable effect that stupid young kids... I mean, in 2013, she's now, what, 17? So in 2013, that was three years ago. She's 14 years old. And now we're all you know, hot and bothered about a 14-year-old using words that she heard in a rap song. 
I'm sorry, I'm not going to call her a racist for using words that have no context with black people when the entire culture pretends that it's okay to use these words so long as you listen to rap music. It's really stupid. Here's what she wrote. She wrote, several years ago, I had many personal struggles and found myself in a place that is not representative of who I am as a person. I admit I've used language publicly in the past I'm not proud of. There's no excuse for. Through hard work, education, and thanks in large parts of the sisterhood, I've come to know through pageants. I'm proud to say I'm a better person. Okay, good. Listen, I'm glad she apologized. I'm glad that she's moved on. Beyond that sort of silliness, I I will say that I I think that it's negative when a culture presses kids to do stupid things, and then we're shocked when kids do stupid things, whether it's twerking or whether it's using the N-word because you listen to certain types of music. I think it's gross. Uh, Don't How about this? Teach your kids not to do stupid things, and they won't do stupid things. Okay, we're adding a quick section because every so often, I rarely, rarely make a mistake here on the Ben Shapiro Show, Um, but every so often I do make a mistake. Uh, And so last week I made a mistake. I was was, uh, trying to be smart and make a mathematical reference, and naturally I screwed it up, which serves me right. Uh, and I said that imaginary numbers are when you divide by zero. No, that's a null solution. An imaginary number is, uh, is, is a square root of a negative. And thank you for all 300 of you who emailed me about that. I really appreciate it. The nice thing is that I have an audience that actually appreciates when I get those things wrong, so I appreciate that. If I missed anything this show, email me. We're going to start doing a correction section because I would like our record to be unblemished as far as humanly possible. Okay, so we'll be back tomorrow with the latest fallout from the campaign and all other relevant issues. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving. 